1: Finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, welcome back. We are in part D of this two-parter episode. Anytime I say part deux, I always think of the Mary-Kate and Ashley um, passport to Paris. when they're like, uh, toi." toi Every time. Every time. It's a little, little um, sneak into my brain and how my brain works. Anytime I I talk like this, like to Aaron, like I just talk very fast and about a lot of things at once. And Aaron will be like, how did we get there? Like how, what, how did your brain get there for that reference? And so you just saw a little... You saw a little piece of that shit. If you're listening to episode two, uh, me and Aaron are married. Uh, what? We got married last week, but not really as I record this. We're about to get married in five days. But when this episode comes out, I'll be married. Wild. And I might even be in France, y'all. That is very true. We're going to honeymoon France and then we're going to Edinburgh, which I still cannot say properly, um, which is so embarrassing. For Edinburgh Fringe, which reminds me, if you have friends there, if you are going there, come let me know. I'll comp you. I'm so excited. I was telling Aaron, like, I have never felt so excited about something, especially when you produce, especially when like numbers are involved and you have like your list and you're seeing how many people are gonna be there. I was like, I've never been like okay with knowing I'm about to fail. Like, I just, I don't know. It just feels like we're on the precipice. I'm on the precipice of something different. And how cool is that for me? I don't know. Why am I telling all this, this is what I talked to Aaron about. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're in part de, uh, with me and Kirsten O'Brien from the Boss Bitch Show and the Boss Bitch Show podcast, go like rate, subscribe, review all the things. Um, I want to let's get right into it now. Here we go. Like I see you on the other side.
2: I, I actually have not had sex in over a year. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's that it's been the longest time in quite some time since like my last breakup in 2017. And then I didn't have sex till like 2018. And then I like was a, like an A1 whore for like a <laughs> few years and I had like the best time. But yeah, you know, um, and I'm not saying this like, for sympathy, but like, it's a hard game out there for, uh, straight cis men right now because y'all are really fucking up. Like it doesn't, it's, it's not looking good for you guys. You know, you're taking away our rights. It's, uh, it's not sexy. I don't want to fuck you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're not wrong.
2: I honestly haven't met anyone that I'm attracted to in like a year and a half. I'm just not yeah. attracted to anyone. Anyone like I have not met one person that like makes my clitoris tingle in a year and a half. I don't know. And I'm like, I'm not judging myself for it. I'm it's just like an observation almost, so, like an awareness. And yeah. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I'll ever be attracted to anyone again.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just fair and like the stress of like the past couple years can also fuck with stuff like that too. And it sounds like it sounds like you kind of are okay with it too. Of just oh, I'm, I'm yeah.
2: not That's the weird thing, It's like I'm a very sexual person in general. I'm very sex positive, you know what I mean? But I just haven't felt sexual. I just haven't I mean that being said, like, you know, creating the Boss Fit Show has also been incredibly, uh, an incredible creative outlet and creative energy is sexual energy. So like so much of my creation, my creative energy has gone towards that. And it's very fulfilling. And I I feel very much like in alignment. Um, it gives a lot back to me. So it's like, maybe that's taking its place a little bit. I mean, Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's, it's a really weird feeling. Cause I've never, I i don't think I've been in this position before where I like wasn't having sex for this long and also didn't crave it. And I don't feel like anything's missing.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I think that's like God level, you know, at <laughs> that point, I, cause I've, I've explained this to people before where it's just like, Because people always be like, oh, I have to, like, love myself before I date someone. It's like, no, no, no. You just need to know what you want. Mm -hmm. And especially with COVID, like, it cut the bullshit, you know? Yes. Like, think of how many people are, like, not in your life anymore because it was like, what are you giving to me besides, like, bullshit? Right. And so it sounds like you're in a position where you're like, I'm happy. I'm content. When someone is worthy of this because I know what I want, then, yeah, we can go from there. Yeah. And I feel that. Agreed. I feel that like you know all human beings are are worthy,
2: you know, like I have like respect for humanity, you know what I mean, but it's like if I'm going to have that kind of intimacy in my life, like intimately allow someone into my life in that way, like my life is pretty fucking great, so like, yeah, you're gonna take up time in my life, I need you to add value and like add tremendous amount of value because I already have so much value in my life. I have incredible friendships and not only that incredible friendships that provide so much intimacy, like emotional and psychological intimacy. Like I have friendships that are so supportive. My friends like see me and support me and like support my endeavors and like uh, are incredible human beings that I'm like honored to have in my life. And I'm like, so if you want to join that pack, like yeah, step it up. I don't know if the, the straight men have figured that out yet. I don't know if they figured that
1: out. I don't know. And I just think that's so great to be in that position, too. And it reminds me of, I have a friend who um, from the U.S., lives in Germany, but him and his like girlfriend traveled through America recently, I don't know, like back in January, and like visited all their friends from college. And he was saying something like, um, he was like, they only have each other they only have their partner because they live in the suburbs and there's nothing around them. Cause he lives like in a major city Ah. and like in uh, Europe. And I was like, yeah, like, like again, COVID taught me how much your friend, like how important your friendships are. It can't, it cannot be just this one person. It cannot just be your partner. You Ah, have to have these other people. You have to have like intimate relations, intimate platonic relationships, which is very real. And I don't think, especially like I did not know. The importance of that until I got older, until like my late 20s, early 30s, of how important that was for my like well being yeah, and I, my relationship. Yeah. And you know, like thanks to the
2: patriarchy, which hurts women and men. Yeah. You now, I think that very sadly, and I've seen this in so many friends' relationships where the men that they're with don't have those intimate friendships. Like they have their guy friends that they watch football games with on Sunday or like you know, go see a movie with, but like, they, they only have that deep intimacy and vulnerability with their partner. And that's a lot for your partner. That's like a lot of pressure for that one person to be like the one intimate relationship, the one outlet, like it's too much for one person. And so like, I hope that, I hope that we're moving in a direction where men can feel comfortable to have those intimate relationships with their friends, whether they're male or female or whatever, non-binary, who cares? Like, you know, you need to have that network. Like you can't only have that with your partner. Like, I just don't think it's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it works for some people. Maybe, maybe that kind of like isolation works for some people, but I think it's a lot for one person to carry.
1: Yeah. I, I, like thinking it out in my head I'm like I feel like it can't work I feel there has to be like a lot of denial and there has to be a lot of sacrifice because you can't fully be there for yourself if you're being there for someone else in that capacity like I just don't think it's possible Um, And I mean like again no judgment like maybe you're right like maybe it does work for some people but then to me it just feels like codependency and just like how and that's where like all my friendships were for a long time they were very codependent and it wasn't okay like Ah. it just was very um draining for I think both parties myself and those friends who now like you know aren't my friends anymore because it was like this isn't working like this isn't okay yeah I hear that I mean that's why like
2: I you know for myself uh you know in my last few relationships I wouldn't even call them relationships but I've been pretty open with the people that I've been involved with that like i if, if things are to get more serious and continue that, like, I am open to non-monogamy for those Mm. reasons, because I feel like we don't have to have this one person that fulfills all our needs. You can have your needs fulfilled in other relationships, whether they be platonic or sexual or whatever. But like, I, like, I like that. I like that idea of like, like that is a relief to me to be like, oh, I can meet someone that I can like totally fall in love with and be with and have this beautiful relationship. And I don't have to depend on them to be my everything and fulfill my every need. Yeah. It's not fair to one person. And I think like, and like the other thing I've always said about non-monogamy is like, it's not that like I have to be with like a bunch of people it's that I have the freedom to do so as does my partner of like if you get if you meet someone and you're like oh my god wow like this person like really lights me up like I'm so excited by this person like I don't know I feel like you should have the right to to pursue that to like follow you know follow your joy, you know, like do what makes you happy. Who am I to say, no, like you belong to me, you know? And I understand that like monogamy does work for some people and, and non-monogamy does not. And like, Hey, more power to you. But like, I don't know. And like, you know, people are always like, well, what if they fall in love with that person and they want to be with them? And I'm like, well then that's what they do. <laughs> like, yeah. what? What? I I've never understood that argument of like, like, you don't own this person. you don't own you this can... person. And if they, yeah, if they do find that they're like, oh, I'm better suited for this other person and I'm in love with them and I want to be with them um, and not be with you anymore, then like, well, okay. Like, that's the end of our story or our story continues in a different way, in a different direction. Like, I don't know. I've never understood that. And I think that's like this, uh, this like toxic culture, especially in the United States around like, Being monogamous and that, like, monogamy is the ultimate goal for all people, and marriage and family is the ultimate goal for all people. And it's just not true. It's just not not true. It's not the definition of happiness for all people. And, like, it just makes me sad. It makes me sad when I, like, especially hear women that are, like, lamenting themselves for being single or for not being engaged or, like, those dumb fucking Instagram memes that you see. I saw yesterday they were, there was some advertisement being, I mean, the algorithm fucked up advertising this to me, but it was like wine glasses that said still single and still not engaged. And I was like, Oh, uh, who
1: cares? Ew, who
2: gives a shit? And that's like, and that also comes down to like women being valued for their proximity to men. Ew, ew. And we know, and we know like there are all these scientific studies are coming out that like single women are the happiest <laughs> and like no shade. Like, it sounds like you have a lovely relationship and I'm not like hating on people in relationships, but like, and these studies are coming out that like women add value to men's lives because they're essentially labor. They're essentially free labor. Like they're adding value to their lives because they're cooking them dinner. They're doing their fucking laundry. They're cleaning their apartment. Like I don't want to be an unpaid like laborer. That's not, I'm not interested in that. Like I don't, you know, like I'm not interested
1: in adding value to your life in that way as an unpaid laborer. Yeah, Absolutely. I feel so lucky. Like my partner what he does like he for a job like he's reading bell hooks and like uh and things like that so like i he gets it in a way way more than i don't think majority of cis straight men do and i do sometimes feel like jackpot right because it is true like and don't get me wrong we've had conversations in the past like we've been together seven half years and in the beginning it was like i can't i can't be your maid like i can't you know, do this. And you had to have some real conversations and have, like, him be hurt and me feel bad for a boundary. But now, like, I don't remember the last time I've done dishes this past week because he just does them because he knows I have shit to do because of, adult. like...
2: Cause yeah. you're an adult and you,
1: you know, when you're an adult, you wash your dishes,
2: like yeah, simple as that,
1: you know? And he, and he knows I need that time, especially with like other projects right now, but it's so much communication. I it, think like, it's so much work to do. And then to go back to what you're saying about people freaking out of like, what if they leave like you, I, I can't, somebody either said this to me or I read it somewhere, but there's jealousy in open, like. There's jealousy and monogamy too. Like, it's not just open relationships. Like, yes. there, and if you're not willing to deal with that jealousy, then it could implode on you in a monogamy. Like, that's where cheating comes yeah. from, like, and all this stuff. And like, you don't need to be in a non monogamous relationship for your partner to leave you for
2: someone else. Like, it's, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it, if that's going to happen, it's going to happen. Like, and you know, and to not like attach, you know, like, I feel like, oh man, the, the pandemic, I mean, and even, Before the pandemic, I was, like, having such a, like, spiritual awakening as, like, a human being. And it's, like, it just compounded during the last two years of, like, what am I attaching my value to? Like, is my value being attached to being desired and being wanted and um, having a partner? Like, am I valuing myself more? Because society certainly is. Society is certainly valuing me more. For for being partnered and like, you know, and that has that has many reasons, whether it's the patriarchy and misogyny, but also capitalism, capitalism, like so many mm. histories are are linked to to uh monogamy and marriage and weddings and like, oh, my God, fucking barf, you know, and it's, you know, a lot of it is subjugates women. A lot of it is harmful to women. And, um, I don't know. I just, it, it's not that I'm like, sh- I'm not shitting on relationships by any means. I just, I just want people to explore these things. I just want people to like think about it a little more. Think about why you're doing what you're doing. Think about how like relationships affect your self worth. Think about like, are your needs being met? Like, are you able to meet your own needs? Like, are you in a codependent relationship? Like, I wish, people
1: would like do the work just do the work it really is I I always feel like shitty saying like do the work but it is like do the fucking work like wow. that's the only way to find what is the perfect fit for you that is not just like being content and just being fine it's you're actually like actively happy wow. and to go back to the weddings real quick because I think you're going to love this Ugh. Um. so we're getting married next week oh my god yeah and and like a, a thing for us was like we do not want to have to cut anyone out we want to be able to send like we, we sent like 300 invites ultimately Amazing. but we were going through and we we're like we can't spend a lot of money we just because fuck the wendy the wedding industrial complex like it's such bullshit and to any listener who wants to get married or is you can absolutely do it on a budget and not cut people out So like, we're getting married on Rockaway beach. We're literally, we got a permit. I love that. I love the Rockaways. Love it. And like, that's our favorite place in the world. And so we were going to try the hotel. We were like, oh, maybe Rockaway beach hotel. Yeah, we were like, it's new. They don't know what they want, like have yet. I call them, they quoted me at (sighs) $60,000. And, 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 and that was the 9-11 discount because couples in new york city don't want to get married on
0: 9-11 yeah
1: i was like
2: kirsten's gonna like this. Back to
1: 9-11
2: no shade to the victims of 9-11 we have nothing but respect but holy shit talk about like an interwoven like a cross-section venn diagram of like 9-11 and capitalism like God fucking gross. Nobody wants to get married on 9-11. So here's your $60,000 discount. Bitch, you could put a down payment on a two bedroom apartment for $60,000 and actually have property and like a a thing of value that will help you down the line. Like, yeah, good God. And like, that's the thing that, that I'm like, think about this. It's a party. It's a party. That is all it is. I I won't go to them anymore. I don't go to weddings anymore. I just don't. It has to be like such a specific, like if I go to your wedding at this point, like, just know like you are so special. Like you are so special to me and know that I truly believe in the marriage you are about to embark on. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't fucking be there. Like, cause I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't watch people like say these terrible fucking vows that they wrote. And I'm like, God, there's so many funny people. Couldn't you have hired a writer? Like this is terrible, <laughs> you know? And like, I don't buy it and it's gross. And like, I also like work in the entertainment industry and I work a lot of like private events as a dancer. So I've seen every wedding I've seen, I've heard every DJ set I've seen every decor I've like, and they all start to look the same. And like, so like I respect when people do it differently and I respect when people do it on a budget because I don't believe you, like, why are we doing this? Like what? And it's this, it's like a like the Joneses kind of thing. It's like uh, what's the word? It's like having a nice car or like a designer purse. It's like oh, I have oh, a, um, a
1: show of um, it's like a show of wealth. It's a show of like um, oh, I know exactly what you mean. Another uh, one aware. of us have to get <laughs> for it.
2: And and that is an icky feeling for me of like why are you doing this you know Mm -hmm. and I get it like who doesn't love a party who doesn't love to like celebrate the person they love with all the friends and family like that I fucking support that it's great I just like I feel bad when I watch people spend inordinate amounts of money that like there is no way that this is good for your financial future there is no way that this is. Self-care on a financial level There's no way that this is the best thing You could do with your money especially in this Fucking economy and with our generation Of like millennials and gen xers that like Have no capital Like have nothing like and if Oh yeah you, like we have no
1: capital So if yeah. you
2: do have any money To spend it on a party Like I just can't see that As financially responsible and I It makes me feel bad and I um and I don't want to be there <laughs> <laughs> so like you know, but a, a very close friend of mine that I've known for over 15 years, who I like love and adore to the moon, uh got married recently for the second time. And she was like, "It's my second wedding." She's like, "I don't even want to fucking do this." My family is like making me like have a it's, wedding. Oh my god! And it's so funny. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of pressure from like friends and family, and it's like, do you take care of you? And so like. She did want to give that to her family as an experience. She knew that that was important to them for like various reasons. And she was like, all right, I'm doing it, but we're doing Vegas, And we're doing it my way. And we're getting married by Elvis at a little white chapel. I'm going to wear a sequin jumper and look like I came straight out of casino. And I was like, work, bitch. I love it. And she's like, and we're going to have like, we're going to have some like food in an open bar for a few hours at one of the casinos and like come if you want. And then like, if you want to drink after that, that's on you. Like, you know what I mean? And she just did it right. I just feel like she did it right. And it probably still cost her fucking arm and a leg. And I was like, you know, and for like stuff like that, I don't know when someone like doesn't take it so seriously. And it's like, Hey, listen, we just want to like celebrate each other and we're going to do this thing. And we want our friends and family to be there. Like, cool. Like, you know, like it was just more casual. And then I was like, can I be your flower girl? And she was like, yeah. And like, that's such a weird thing for me to volunteer to do, but I'm a dancer. So I, um, I came as a showgirl, like as a flower, as oh my God. a huge flower. And I surprised her and like the little white chapel doors opened and it was like, I was this huge flower. And I just knew it would make her laugh so hard. And I like did this whole performance down the upper. And she was like, that was the funniest fucking thing ever. And like, I knew that, like, I was like, and that's your gift. Like, I didn't buy you anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't know. That's like how I feel about like money stuff too. Like, I don't give a fuck about fancy cars or designer clothes. Like, I care about experiences. You know, let's have a shared experience. You know, that's why I love travel. Like, you know, if I if I won the lottery, I would be traveling and, like, maybe make an investment on, like, a home to, like, give myself,
1: like, a financial, financial
2: future, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's, like, I feel the same way. And that's, like, when we got – when we were starting to get quotes and stuff, we were both just, like, this is not what we want. Like, and we had to get on the same page of, like, this is what we're willing to spend because we want to travel. We want to Plus- – uh be able to maybe afford one day maybe like owning in New York City. We never will. But it was like <laughs> I can't spend it on this like one thing and then like to go also in capitalism, you're supposed to do a bridal shower. You're supposed to do uh, a fucking um, engagement like party where people give you money left and right and it was like no, like we have everything we want. We're not making registry and so we ended up like consen- like consenting with like we'll do like a, a honeypot where people can give money if they want but we literally said like we understand how much it costs to get here do not give us oh anything god. like we're absolutely okay it's just wild like where everything costs money like how much like the wedding cake costs like i'm getting sheet cakes from stop and shop because it's Burp. like i want cake yes. i'm not spending a thousand dollars on this no. or, like the dress like no like i'm wearing a bathing suit
2: oh my god Work. get that twenty dollar cake yes if tj maxx at the end of the summer get a white dress that will be on sale. you know what i mean like that's it who are we doing this for that's that's what i always say i'm like who are you doing this for
1: who is it for because you will get a lot of pressure especially if you buck against tradition you will get a lot of pressure and a lot of shit and people will make try to make you feel bad so also invest in therapy <laughs> because it it is like it is like it's crazy how this is so ingrained in people's minds of like the wedding is for the family. And it's like, you're the one getting married. Yeah. It's for you. It's,
2: like, and it's, it's so for you. Because that is such an American thing. Like yep. I'm half Swedish. Like my, my mom's uh, parents were from Sweden and I have a lot of family in Sweden. And like, I've talked to them about this and they're like baffled by it. They're like, I oh, don't, yeah. you're, you're the one getting married. So like, like, they'll go to, like, the courthouse, like, do the thing, and then, like, be like, we're having lunch if you want to join. <laughs> like, you know, like, Yeah. And it's, like, it's just such an American thing, and it's so capitalist, and it's so, like, it's a fucking billion-dollar industry, and it's financially crippling people. People are making terrible financial decisions for this thing that's supposed to be, like, a beautiful, you know, uh, ceremony of, like, a big life decision. You know, I always yeah. say, like, Listen, I love a beautiful dress. I love fashion. I love like a like a tailored, gorgeous dress. I like jewelry. I like diamonds. I like shiny things. I'm a showgirl. I'm a showgirl at art. I love a party. I love a party. I love an open bar. So I say, when I get nominated for my first fucking Emmy, yes, you heard it, I'm <laughs> gonna throw a fucking party. And I'm yes, a big white dress, and everybody better fucking show up, you know. And no one's gonna, you know, if I'm at that point, no one's gonna pay them you know what i mean like i don't want this to cost anyone anything and that's hard too like what a position to be in to be like i'm asking people to pay for a plane ticket pay for a hotel like you've really got to like make peace with that and i think a lot of people are too comfortable with that i have lost friendships over it yeah. i have, like i i had a best friend that i was like, supposed to officiate in the wedding and she got so crazy with it that like at one point she was like, I'm going to have two, uh, rehearsal dinners. One is in San Francisco and one is in Napa and you're going to have to fly to San Francisco. I need you to be there. You have to fly to San Francisco, get a hotel in San Francisco, rent a car, drive to Napa to be there the night before, get a hotel for that rehearsal dinner. So now we're up to two hotel rooms and she hasn't even fucking gotten married yet. And I was like, this was like 15 years ago when I was like starting my dance career and like doing contracts and like, you can't leave a contract to go to a wedding. No, can't. that's not an acceptable reason to like leave a contract. And I ultimately had to be like something really crazy happened at the end that like was the, I can't even mention it. It's so bad. Um, I'll say it up air. Sorry, everybody, but I had to back out. I was like this, we are up to like minimum 1500. And I I don't got it, and like, you're not offering to help. And like, yeah. she legitimately asked me if I could borrow it from my mom. And I was like, "No, That's so fucked up." No, I can't, no, I cannot ask my mother to give me $1,500 dollars so that I can go to a party in California, and by the way, you and your soon-to-be husband are not from California. Why are we going to California?
1: Oh my God. Oh my God. It drives me
2: crazy. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm out. And I've, you know, and I've had friends that have like asked me to be like bridesmaids. And i just had to be like, listen, I need you to be upfront for like what this is going to cost me. And then I'll tell you whether or not I can do it. And, it, it, and it's so usually no.
1: <laughs> that is so fair. Like, that's so fair. Like, it, because it costs so much money. Like, so I went the opposite way and cuz they were like, "Well, what should we wear?" And I was like, "Whatever you want." And their brains broke. They were like, "I know, you need to give us direction." And I was like, "No, truly, we, whatever you want, want to wear. Like one. you yeah. wear, I'm so happy with whatever. Like whatever you feel yeah. like pretty in because it is like, you know, rides rides me stress cost so much. You know, these people are traveling yeah. to like one's coming from Chicago, one's coming from Boston. It's like, "No, like whatever is feasible for you because it's not worth any like it's not worth more than that. Like it's just not. Yeah, it's just a day. It's just yeah. a fucking day. I think the
2: way that you handle a wedding in America like is a sh- is a show of character. And shout out to women because it's not easy. Because society has like groomed us for this thing for our entire fucking lives that we're supposed to dream about it like as little girls, and it's like. The cards are not in your favor, you know? So like anyone who handles it with any sort of like decorum, like big kudos to you, you know? I mean, I have been very lucky that like my closest friends have handled their weddings beautifully and done the same thing of like, wear whatever you want. Like one of my best friends was like, oh, bridesmaids, I just want bright colors, whatever bright color you want cool. Great. And it was like in her backyard and it was beautiful. Another friend, like had a wedding upstate and like knew it was going to be hard for me. And she was like, Oh, this person's driving. You can drive with them. Um, this person has room in their hotel room. You can split a hotel with them. Like they, it was, they showed me that it was important to them that i be there and they wanted to help me to make that happen. Yeah. And like, you know, like that just shows character.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. When we got engaged, I was wondering like, do you just do you just become a bridezilla? Like, do you, is it just, like, because of the pressure <laughs> of all of it, like, oh. um, and all, like, the like the dots, the I's that need to be dotted and the T's that needs to be crossed? And, like, the further you go into it, you're, like, no, this was, like, a choice by those people that become awful. like, And even, like, not to, like, seeing Aaron's, my partner's praises again, but, like, we're doing, I'm doing Fringe Festival, like, this, this, yeah. So I have not been able to do any wedding planning. He's done it all. He's done everything. Good for Aaron. Big to Aaron, who is like
2: this dream partner. I love this guy. Honestly, I mean, I think anytime, like uh anytime men, male identifying people can take their privilege and use it to help a woman. Like, I love you. Like, it's just it just shows people being like aware having awareness doing work doing things that are not typical for like a typical role for a man like i just have so much respect for that
1: where they're like i do it i'll do it i got it and i always tell people like don't fucking settle it exists <laughs> that that partner oh, that you need you Saying that to me because i needed to hear that to like truly everyone like that whatever like is on your list of like i need a partner that understands my show schedule understands that this this and this understands i need like time alone to read like young adult fiction and ignore you like ignore that partner for whatever need solo trips blah 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 whatever it is it exists um (gasps) and the people you've been with in the past just weren't that person and weren't able to step up to the plate in the way that you need it Like, it just does. It does exist. And it's like, because you'll have people be, like, so sad and, like, I'm single. I'm not engaged yet. And it's like, yeah, it's just not, you just haven't met that person yet. There's no reason for you to settle. There's no reason. There's no
2: reason for you to settle. And there's no reason for you to fucking feel bad about yourself because you're single. Like, absolutely. There's this concept that, like, single women are, like, the scorned of society, And that's why, like, with all these, like, studies that have come out recently about, like, single women being, single childless women being some of the happiest people on earth. Like, they want us to feel bad. Like, it is threatening. It is threatening for women to be happy by themselves and not dependent on men. That is what it fucking boils down to. And I don't care if anyone says, like, that is a threat. That we are happy without you and we don't fucking need you. And like. That's why I feel like we're getting this like huge pendulum swing in politics and in our culture of like trying to take women's rights away because it's like, oh, we gave them too much and now they're really happy and they don't need us. Like, you know, like they can open their own bank accounts now and have their own credit cards and like they're getting educated
1: and like they're I mean, yeah, and that's like a threat. And that's a threat. No, a thousand percent. Happiness is a threat when it's not um, through capitalism or any way, shape or form, In especially in America. It is a threat, a major threat.
2: And like, and and just like not only happiness, but power, power and autonomy of like, oh, we're like women having financial power, like women being able to. Like, have standing in society, like, financially, like, that's not, <laughs> you know, that's not being overlooked. I think it was, uh, Lindy West who said it best. And every time something happens with Roe v. Wade and certainly with this last one, like, I always repost this fucking meme that, like, abortion is not about abortion. It is about financially and socioeconomically crippling women. Is about putting them in a economic situation where they cannot vote. Where they yeah. don't where they they can't fucking get to the polls. And especially women of color, like that is who it impacts so much. And the Republican Party does not want them voting, voting for their rights and making it to the polls. So let's drop yeah. them down in poverty and in a situation where they can't get to the polls. That's
1: yeah. what it's about. It's about- it, it was in it was the latest version of Little Woman. I think it was Lily Pugh's character where she talks about marriage, where um, Timothy uh, Chalamet is like, But you can marry whoever you want. And because like, marriage is about love. And she's like, As a woman, it is absolutely not about love. As a woman, I, there's no way in shape or form for me to make money that is my own. And the moment I marry this person, his money is still his money. And now I'm his property. And when I have our children, They are his children, not mine. And it's just so perfect because it's like, this still exists. Like I was like, I will not change my name. I will not do, I said something else. I was like, I will not do X, Y, and Z. Cause it was just like, this is the patriarchy. This is bullshit. in this like in this contract, but yeah, like just to go off of everything you just said, like it, all of it is like steeped in this bullshit of like, not giving women full control. Like even in a marriage, even in a marriage, like, not having full control. And so what is that? What does it look like? What is the point to this?
2: Yeah, I mean, I-, I could talk about this fucking forever. But like, um, I have a joke in my stand-up about pockets, about how women's fashion, the reason why women's fashion does not have pockets, okay, pockets were not integrated into female fashion until like the late 1800s. so Coincidentally, during the women's suffrage movement, not a fucking coincidence. But because it was historically believed that if women could carry their own money and valuables, that would give them autonomy independent of men. They don't even want you carrying money. They don't even want you to be able to, like, have anything on your person that could give you the mobility to get away from a man. Like, that. Yeah. that's what pockets are about. Like, like. There, it's so steeped in every part of our culture. Misogyny and patriarchy is so steeped in every part of our culture. Like, it's unbelievable. And if you just open your eyes to look at it, like, it's mind-blowing. Like, I think maybe, was maybe five years ago, I made a very, like, flippant Facebook comment of, like, I can't believe people are still having gender reveal parties and taking on their husband's last name. And when I tell you the backfire from, oh God, India, I bet. from women, yeah, the women that came for me fucking came for me so hard. They were enraged. They were enraged about like that comment. And I was like, explain it to me then. Explain it to me. Explain to me why that was important to you to change your name, to erase your history from every document. You're, yeah. That is female erasure. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Fucking come for me on this podcast. It is female erasure. You are literally erasing the name that you have had for your entire fucking life. Like, yes, it was your father's name. Like, that's <laughs> a whole history. But you are erasing your past. And you are now, like, it is, It the history of it is that you belong to him. You are his property. That is the I cannot engage in a practice which has a history of me being property.
1: Yeah. And like, my thing is like, Hey, if that's, if that makes you feel happy, like my mom wanted to change her name because she hated her mother. And she was like, I can't have that that. name anymore. And I'm like, good for you like fucking do that if it makes you feel better but then don't come after people that don't want to do it for the same reason because it makes them feel better like the full denial of that
2: i would also challenge that of like if you really fucking hate your last name change it to whatever you want like here's an original awesome one like you know and i get it that like there are structurally and societally like there are and systemically there are so many I mean, that's why, that's why the argument for gay marriage is so important because systemically it gives rights to people. It gives rights to people to be married, to be able to see your sick partner in a hospital, to have rights, to be able to manage like the finances if that person is sick, to be able to like be on their insurance. Like we have systemically, we've created a society that upholds these values, that upholds these misogynist, patriarchal values. Like, systemically, Mm -hmm. that's what it's supporting. And so, like, I understand that it's hard. I understand that it's hard to go against the grain because it can hurt you. It can hurt you, systemically, financially, socioeconomically. Like, I get it. And those Mm -hmm. that's real. I don't want to deny that that's not real. But I do want to challenge people to admit it. (laughs)
1: yeah to like to go no. back to like do the work like why do you need this why do you want that like ask answer the actual question Fine. like even like fucking like engagement rings they cost so much money because it was the only property that that woman would have to get out to use as collateral to get out of a terrible marriage exactly that's it that's so, it it's, like Yeah, so it's like, I don't need something expensive. Like, I don't want that. That's what it represents. Like, that's what it's from. Where it's like, whenever, like, if I ever see,
2: you know, or hear someone say, like, oh, women love jewelry. That's what I fucking talk about. That's Mm -hmm. what I say to that person And I'm like, oh, do you know the history of why women, quote unquote, like jewelry? It's because it's the only thing that they could own because they couldn't have a bank account. They couldn't have their own money. And if they needed to get out of a relationship, exactly what you just said, I'm just repeating it. Like that was collateral yeah. to get out. They, that was, they would have to fucking pawn that jewelry to be able to feed, clothe, and shelter themselves and get out of a situation that they didn't want to be in. So like, yeah, like women love jewelry. Like, oh my God. Like, They're I, so I'm, bad such gold, I'm such a gold digger. It's like, no. There's
1: a history to this and a very important history, you know? I went into Tiffany's to get my ring size because I didn't know it. And just like, because of course now, like the industry doesn't hate it. Like they're making so much money off of it. I think the average is supposed to be three months. I'm sorry. Yeah, three months salary. And it's like, oh my God. And so I just went in there uh, just to find out, just to figure out what I needed. And I was putting on $60,000 rings. $75,000 rings, $150,000 rings. And it was like, this is disgusting. Like, I don't like, I never like, and just to now see how like this, like where it comes from and how awful that reason is to now how people are just making so much money off of it that don't care. Yeah. Yeah. That companies are like financially benefiting from like this
2: horrible history. You know what I mean? (laughs) And people, and like, Oh, man, America. Like, America is so, like, grossly uneducated in so many ways, especially about our own history. Like, it's just so gross. I mean, and,
1: like, myself included, like, there's so much I still don't know. I dang. feel like I only know, like, a sliver of what has really happened and what's really going on and what... Uh, that's it. Like, I just right. don't know enough. Like we even just know this, and it's so bad.
2: I can't believe how many people partake In these traditions and history, and don't Hmm. know like the reason why it exists. Like we're seeing that so much with like you know our racial situation in America and like uh, you know the Black Lives Matter movement and like digging up this history mostly for white people, for for us white people that don't fucking know and need to educate ourselves of like digging up these the roots of some of these traditions and like cult parts of our culture that exist and have a very dark history a very dark history a very dark past and very harmful like upholding some of these traditions is harmful you know and i want people to look at it i just look at it you know i know it's
1: hard i know it's gross to look at and it's difficult
2: but look at it
1: you know yeah, I think I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago about like doing the work is never fun. Like it's it's no. it's hard and you feel shitty and you feel shitty about yourself in this situation. But but when you get like through like the main brunt of it, the main crux of it, like it's so freeing. And so worth it on the other hand. Like, I feel like I'm so much happier as a person than I was like two years ago before I like started doing this shit. Yeah. And I feel like you probably feel the same way about yourself. Like it's, it sucks, but it's worth it. It's It's so worth it.
2: Exactly. And I think, you know, I'm a constant student. I'm always learning. And I think like, if you are a constant student and you're always learning, you have to, you have to come to terms with the fact that you're going to fuck up that you are going to fuck up and you're going to do it wrong and you're going to do it badly and you're going to offend people and you're going to hurt people. Like you're not going to do it well. And that's the only way to learn. Like, yeah, you know, I have a non-binary friend that I work with a lot and I fuck up their pronouns constantly, constantly, but I've learned to not make a big deal about it and like center myself and be mm. like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I fucked up your pronoun out again. Like I won't do it again. Like, and to make this like event out of it and maybe embarrass them and make them feel uncomfortable. Like, no, I correct myself. And I think that this friend sees me like my, my wheels turning and like sees me correcting myself and sees the effort. And like, I'm not like adding myself on the back at all. I'm saying that I fuck it up. That i yeah. fucking up and actively trying at the same time. And, like, that's what I think we all need to do. Especially white people. Especially white women.
1: Like, we, are, we like <laughs> We can't pretend, like, we're just the, like, victims. Like, white women really have to be like, no, we're the oppressor, too. Like, we are both. Yeah. And we have to grapple with that and deal with it and actively, like you were saying, actively educate ourselves and learn and fuck up. Like, we are going to, like, truly friend just transitioned, I keep doing the wrong pronouns left and right. And it's just like and, uh. you want, and you want so badly to be like, just like that ally that gets it. But it's like, oh, just it's going to take a second. It's going to take a minute. But you're trying. Yeah. And like so like you said, like not make it about you. Like just be like, oh, my bad. Yeah. Correct it. Move on. Yeah. Move on. I yeah.
2: Know that you're, you're trying. You're doing it. And like, I love it, you know? And it's like, uh, you know, a lot of like older people uh, I've, ex- you know, firsthand experience this like older people like not only like having a hard time with it but being like Ugh. like being like annoyed and it's like you know rachel said it perfectly the other day uh i think we were on like keith and the ground she's like well you know what yeah i understand that it's uncomfortable and it's difficult and it makes you upset when you fuck it up but you know what you don't live in a prison of your own body you know, like, we get to, you know, if you're a cis person, like, wow, you feel okay in your own body. Like, deal with it. Yeah. Deal with the discomfort of, like, learning how this person wants to be addressed. What their pronoun is. Like, yeah. oh, sorry. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry this is hard for you. Like, <laughs>
1: you know, like, get over I, it. I had someone who, like, definitely identifies as liberal be like it's just the they them like that's where I I I can't I that's where I draw the line and I was like why Uh why is that where you draw the line and this was years ago and Uh now I think this person gets it but I had to be like a tough conversation of like why if that makes them feel better it literally doesn't affect you at all why is that where you cross the line because it's not English first off it is actually proper. Like, we are allowed to use, like, they, them in singular situations. Like, it's literally how the English language works. And also, there's so much we do in the English language that is not, quote, unquote, correct. But it has, because majority of people do it that way, that is now how we say these things. Like, it's just, it also, language is constantly evolving. Like Language is constantly evolving, and it's all made up. We just, it's all made
2: up. We decided, I mean, it's the same argument for, like, the way our fucking economy works. Like money as a concept is made up. Do you think when like humanity began that we all wanted to work to have our like basic needs met? No, we had communities and villages and like tribes of people that all like mutually supported each other to have their basic needs met. Like that is like humanity, like this whole money and like, modern-day capitalism late-stage capitalism let's be honest is a fucking farce it's all made up and we could do it differently if we all decided to and like how many other cultures and countries can show us that of like oh you can give maternity and paternity leave you can give eight weeks of vacation time to people and your economy will not fucking
1: disintegrate like Fuck off. Like, just like evolve. Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I think the documentary is called Happy. I think that's what it's called on Netflix. And it goes into different countries. Okay. And the happiest country, I can't remember the happiest country. Sweden was up there for sure. Sweden was definitely like one of the happiest countries. But the happiest one was like we, we all ulti- like, we actively made, like, consciously made the decision to not base our happiness on the growth. Was it growth something products? Like the GP? GP? Yeah. Gross, gross national product something like that something yeah. that like america is very much aware of and like all they care about they're the happiest country because of that
2: uh, let me guess they're basing it on quality, quality
1: of life, of life. Like, yeah. people
2: having affordable food and affordable shelter and health care and like an ability to care for their children <laughs>
1: like, yeah wow it was, like, it's like fucking concept it's not just america too like they 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 talk about japan now has a word about dying at work because so many people were having heart attacks at work and dying because they weren't giving their bodies breaks and now there's an actual like word for it in in japanese like like it's not it's not just our culture it's like multiple countries in in the world that don't care about quality of life just For your listeners, my mouth was agape for that. I'll have to find the... I'm pretty sure it's just Happy on Netflix, but it's just like a documentary.
2: I think I watched watched that.
1: I think it came out a few years ago, and I think I did
2: watch it. But that... There's a word for dying at work. I mean, if that's not the sign of the dystopia, I don't know what it is. I mean, I thought it was Roe v. Wade. <laughs> but it might be having a word for dying at work. Holy shit! I lo- I do love the Japanese language. They have so many specific words that are so beautiful. Um, there's a word for sun through the trees. Oh, and because it, it's like it's a specific thing, right? Yeah. What a feeling it it evokes in yeah. the morning and in the dawn or whenever, and you see the sun coming through the trees. Komorebi.
1: Oh wow.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm probably butchering it. I don't speak Japanese, but I, I think that's beautiful. But that's really funny. Like on the other end of the spectrum is there's a word for dying at work. Holy shit. I mean, wow. Uh, uh, uh. And I think that's like a lot of what the pandemic has done for me actually is like, what adds to my quality of life? And like, what am I doing today? to make my quality of life better. And like reassessing, like, I think we all kind of figured out or many of us figured out that it's not that job that we think is going to bring up, bring us happiness. It's not that, you know, fucking car that we've been working hard for or like that, that vacation that we think is going to like bring it. Like it's a choice that happiness is a choice and that like, self-care is more than fucking bubble baths and like getting manicures that like self-care is making sound financial decisions for your future so that you can provide yourself and have a quality of life and be able to take time off of work and like fucking relax and like live like live like i think about that with my i stay i'm like such a homebody like i stay home like All the time. Like, I don't really go out. The fact that I was even hung over this morning is like (laughs) insane. Like, I can't believe I even like went to a birthday party. But I love my friend very much and wanted to be there. But like, I don't go out. And I'm like, and a lot of the time I'm like, yeah, I have a fucking amazing apartment. Why don't I hang out in it? Why don't I like lounge around in my apartment and like eat all my meals in my bed, even though I have like a Eating, kitchen, like this is how I enjoy my space. Take baths because I have a bathtub. Like,
0: yeah, you know,
2: like what is contributing to my daily quality of life? Like, take, and I think that's what many of us learned in the pandemic. Of like, yeah, go take, get up, go take a walk in nature. Do you have nature around your apartment? Are you lucky enough to have that? Do you live by a river? Like, go look at the river. You know, like there's a really wonderful yeah. guy on Instagram that I follow. Like my Instagram is like all like psychologists. (laughs) It's animal videos, comedians, and psychologists, which I encourage you to make your Instagram something that you enjoy. If you have things on your feed that do not bring you joy, unfollow. Do Do that for yourself. Do that for yourself. But I follow this fucking great guy, Corey. Oh my God. And I get, like, these texts from him. One of the most beautiful things that he said, and I don't know if it was, like, Corey Muscara. Shout out to Corey Muscara. Follow him on Instagram. It's fucking amazing. But he's, like, this, like, spiritual teacher and, like, kind of, like, I hate to use the word wellness because, like, that's, like, a whole fucking other, like, capitalist, like, bullshit thing. But, you know, like, this guy who talks about, like, wellness and, like, one of the things that he said one time, I think it was over the pandemic, that I was, like, wow, that is so powerful. Where he was, like, I encourage you today to look out your window for the joy of looking at me. Don't meditate. Don't focus on your breathing. Don't write a gratitude list. Just sit and look out your window. Like, enjoy the experience of looking out your window. Like, humanity made windows for that. Like, you know what I mean? such a yeah. simple thing and i think like uh, one of like the potholes of like wellness is that like we should always be like doing something to contribute to our wellness it's like what about just like being yeah like sitting in your body and like just noticing yeah what's my body doing what's my, like That's, that's its own meditation, but I don't want to call it a meditation because then you're doing something. Like, it's just like the joy of being. I think like we've just lost that along the way. And some of us found it in the pandemic. And like, I think life is a, is a constant, like, uh, another wonderful woman who I follow on Instagram, big shout out, Gabby Bernstein, who I fucking love. It's like, she says a lot of the time, it's like, It's not joy, uh, joy or peace. It like the goal is not to be in a constant um, state of joy or peace, but it the importance is how quickly you can come back to it or like come back to a state of love. So it's not about like, being like and that's like just like a fallacy of like we're human beings and there's a range of emotions that human beings can feel and it is a privilege to experience and feel them all and that's how we develop as human beings it's like through our experience of of these feelings you know and like find joy and contentment like through the process of that you know like i don't know like joy and contentment isn't like uh, constantly seeking happiness so i think that's just like fucking sisyphus you are just like pushing that rock up the hill and you will be forever until like we embrace like the full our full humanity i don't know i love it i love it yeah. i love like getting sad and just like crying and being like i'm i'm, I'm feeling sadness. you know i am experiencing sadness
1: without attaching to
2: it and i love it and it feels good and it feels
1: human and that's so powerful too to be able to separate like i always tell people like you gotta feel the feels and usually like yeah you'll have like a shit day or you're crying and you're angry you're mad and all of a sudden you sleep and the next day you're like i dealt with it i didn't hide from it and now i feel better like now i can like process what that was, like separate what X, Y, and Z is and like, how do I move forward? And you do, it is really hard to see people around you that can't do that or Mm -hmm. are unwilling to and are afraid of it. Cause it's like, it's just, you're only hurting yourself. You're not hurting anyone else except yourself. And like, I'm so grateful for the pandemic. Like the pandemic is off. Millions of people have died and people are still dying and we are still in this pandemic, but I am so grateful that I was given the moment to choose myself and choose what I want the future to look like and actively work towards that and it's really hard to see people around you that haven't and are just because they're just afraid and it's like you're spiraling and you don't have to you but you've got to stop like that's the first step is like stopping you see it all the time with comedians you're like you are so unhappy like right. this, like the rock up the hill, like success is not going to give you happiness. If anything um, is going to make you feel more hollow, like, um, and you got to stop right. and recognize that. Right. Cause you're going to reach the top of that hill and you're just going to
2: realize that it's the bottom of the next hill.
1: Yeah. You're going to be
2: so fucking disappointed. And like, we all have goals. And I think it's like, I like to ask myself, like, what is the intention of the goal? And if I really can't answer that like in a meaningful way, Mm -hmm. I really have to reassess the goal. You know, it's like I I always have an intention with my art. And like I think sometimes like (laughs) I need to remind myself that I'm fulfilling that intention. That like even though I don't have a Netflix special, and even though I'm not a cast member on SNL, like I am fulfilling the intention that I set out with. In my comedy as an art form, like, what do I want to bring to people? I want to bring them information and knowledge. I want to make people feel less alone. And while I do that, while I make them feel less alone or maybe teach them something, they laugh. They laugh. And I mean, like, listen, I've, I've, the owner of the pit said this, <laughs> Ali Faranakian, a complex hum- human being. God bless him. But he did say something that has always fucking stuck with me. And I don't know who said it originally, but laughter is the sound of recognition. Yeah. And I think that is so poignant and beautiful because laughter is like this, this build of like, like it just flies out of your body in your mouth. And it's, it's an involuntary thing that like, you just laugh because you recognize you see yourself, you you hear and see yourself. In that person and what they're saying, you hear the truth, you know, and that's like, if you're doing that in your comedy, and like, at the same time, not hurting anyone, not punching down, not doing mm-hmm. at the expense of a person or a group of people, and you're bringing joy and love and helping people to feel more seen and, and recognize truths. like then you're doing comedy. You are doing like the purest form
1: of fucking comedy that is beautiful and makes the world a better place. And something that was like really freeing for me was because we all start out being like, yeah, I want to be famous. I want to be on SNL, all the specials. But the moment you realize that just because you're not hitting the maximum amount of people with your comedy does not make it... Or your art, because comedy is art, does not make it any less valuable. And who are you reaching and why are you reaching them and what effect is it having on them? That is what's valuable and that's all that matters. And that was, like, the moment I could really step away and be like, well, this is what I want to create. Which is, like, with this podcast and the show, a safe space for people to feel vulnerable to have these conversations and have very cathartic moments with laughter. And that's all I want. Like, I don't need a special anymore i don't need to be on snl anymore i'm feeling completely fulfilled no matter how many people this reaches if it's 10 or it's ten thousand that's all i need yeah. Um. and hopefully to make like money and i don't have to do a day job off of it but i don't need to be rich and like famous anymore like i don't need you might. you might you might yeah and it you might. might like that might happen and how cool yeah did have that of like that experience but it doesn't have to be the end all be all and no and i think
2: like ultimately at the end of the day and like this is something that rachel and i have just like constantly come back to you know creating the BossFit show and especially creating the podcast of like like listen we are we are best friends that are also business partners like wow we <laughs> know, amazing and we put the writing on the wall by calling it the boss bitch show. So two boss bitches uh, being best friends and also being coworkers and business partners. Like we have our challenges and we constantly say to each other, if we are both growing and willing to grow, we're here for it. We're here for it. And it's a rough, messy road sometimes, but like One of the last huge fights that we got into huge fucking fight. And she'll tell you, we got this huge knockdown drag out fight, did not have common ground, did not get to a place at the end of the fight where we were like, okay, there's a there's a solution like blah, blah, blah. But there was at the end of the conversation a willingness to find a solution. And if you have a willingness, like that is a start. And we had to a preview of the podcast to get out to a publicist. Like it had to be done that day. And we were like, okay, we got to, like, we got to table this conversation and we got to get back to the work. And we listened to the episode and we both started crying, both like, Aww. I'm going to get emotional because <laughs> it's meaningful. And like, if you can come back to that of like, this is something that I believe in. This is something that is meaningful, that like is in alignment with my values and like what I want to give to the world. We just kept coming back to that place of like, well, this can't be the end of the road because this is the beginning of the road for this project. You know? And I think like, God, as artists, like that is the thing that, that is the thing that will sustain you not the goal of being famous thing that will fucking sustain you is having a meaningful intention. And like, I sound like I'm like speaking from a soapbox, but I'm speaking as an artist who has like been through this fucking journey of blood, sweat and tears and like ripping my hair out and being like, how much longer can I do this? And I, and I can do this as long as I am fulfilling that intention. Absolutely. You know, and like, and as long as my like basic human needs are being met, as long as I'm like making enough money to like eat and have an apartment and like not be fucking crazy and like be able to relax a little bit and be a human being and look out the fucking window, you know, if I like can, can have my basic human needs met and have a community of people and like feel loved and feel seen and also create my art that like fulfills an intention that I have as a human being, like, wow. That that'll sustain you. Yeah, that that will sustain you. So I encourage I encourage artists to find out what your intention is like, what is your intention? And is your art fulfilling that intention? Because that that is the thing that will fill you up as a human being. That's the thing that will like give you purpose and meaning.
1: You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And in case you and Rachel like haven't heard this, like you and both Rachel, like I only knew of, I never spoke with before, have had a brilliant like um, conversation with Rachel having a brilliant conversation with you. Oh, like you two you. are both very special oh, and have something that I don't think a lot of people do. Like I've done this podcast with hundreds of people and not every episode is like this. You know what I mean? Like y'all have something special individually. And I think once I see y'all live as well, I will be able to see what's special of you guys together as oh, well. Oh
2: my God. I can't wait for you to do that. And you will absolutely have to come on the podcast. I mean. Oh, i love to. i love, love to. It's like this. These are the kinds of conversations we have we yes we talk to comedians yes we talk to funny people and sex experts and people that like organize gangbangs and it's like hilarious and sex positive and like but it also, many almost all of the conversations end up going to this deep deep place and we end up talking about things that are deeply meaningful and i just want to thank you for saying that and i want the audience to know because there's no video component that <laughs> while I'm saying that my mouth was again agape it was very agape and uh, and there was no dick in it. <laughs> there hasn't been a dick in it for quite some time. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for saying that. That is really quite kind and right back at you. You can't have these conversations with everyone. And that's also something that we've learned with the podcast where it's like, we know people as like their stage persona and then you have them like, in a living room like this, like talking to them on a podcast and it's a different person. And you're like, Oh my God. Wow. Like I'm reminded of that, that like we have personas and like, or that like, they don't want to get that deep. They don't want to get that deep. They're not, they're not here for it. And like, okay, cool. Like we'll have a different kind of conversation. And that's been very eye opening to like, see where people are and where, uh, what they're willing to talk about. And so like, kudos to you to have this like incredibly deep conversation that has also talked about like bleeding on penises, (laughs) like being hoisted up by your vagina. And you know what I mean? Like that we can talk about all these things and have like intelligent conversations and meaningful conversations and still be sex positive and women and and sluts. Like I like to uh, call myself, you know? Yeah. You know, also like, there's a million fucking podcasts up there. And I will say, I will give Rachel and I so much credit that we did so much work on the front end to figure out what the podcast was and what we wanted to talk about. And like that it is this sexy, juicy, witchy, spiritual... Um, a psychological experience. You know, like we we talk about all those things. Yes, we talk about sex. We talk about feminism. We talk about spirituality. We talk about therapy, psychedelics. Like if those topics interest you, we dive deep in those topics, and we happen to dive deep in those topics with very funny people. So it's very entertaining. So you know, we did do like the front end work of being like. Not just being like, hey, let's get a Zoom recorder and some microphones, see what happens. No, we like set out, like, what is our intention? And our intention always was like, if you come to see our live show, you know that like we're a very femme forward show. We book, you know, female identifying, LGBTQIA plus, BIPOC comics, because we feel that those voices need need more stage time. I mean, duh. I mean, you know, we're still in a very male cis white male dominated, uh, industry. And we were like, you know what? They don't need our help. They're doing just fine. So, um, and not that I'm saying that the other groups need our help Like, I'm not having this like white savior movement, you know, but like these, these are just making
1: space like yeah, opening these space. Are the voices yeah.
2: that we want to make space for. And, um, When you see our live show, you know, Rachel and I rotate headlining and hosting, and then we have our comics in between. And, um, you never get to see us on stage at the same time. So people that know us and know us as like friends and, you know, know our like banter that we have, Rachel and I they were like, we never get to see you. So I was like, we were like, well, I guess we got to create this podcast so that we can do that so that we can have these conversations, not only with each other, but with like the funny people that we know that are so interesting and like all of the boss bitches we know. And um, and boss bitches is not, there's no, it's not gendered. You know, that's everybody, you know, that includes everyone. You don't have to be female identifying to be a boss bitch. And, and also I want to be very clear that like, we are not, <laughs> while it is the boss bitch show, like I'm aware of the connotations. This is not like boss babe culture. This is not like toxic capitalism of like, pull yourself, you know, lean in, and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, woman. Like it's not that. You know, it's people that we interview people and we book people that we feel are cool, amazing, funny human beings that are doing something meaningful in the world. And that are talking about things in their standup and in their lives that that are meaningful. And that's that's who we want to be. That's who we want to be around. That's who we want to hear from. So
1: I love that. And I think if you like this podcast, I think you like Awkward Saxon and City, you will like the boss bitch podcast yes the boss Fit show podcast there's a- i'm sorry the boss Bits show i keep fucking up the no, title
2: we fuck it up like we fuck it up when we're on other people's walk. it is the boss Fit show podcast there's there is i think there are some other similarly titled ones out there more power to them um but you will see a little cute cartoon of rachel and i um it's very cute it's like black and purple and so that's the one the Boss bit show podcast yeah, and I would encourage uh, our listeners, you know, uh, definitely to listen. To- I mean, you've been in the game forever. I mean, you're like, oh yeah, oh, so awkward. Sex in the City. You paved the way for us, madam.
1: Oh my god! You, you
2: know, and to all the women who like went out in this venture. I mean, I think any woman in podcasting or woman in stand up comedy, like, you're a fucking boss bitch because <laughs> it is. Any femme identifying, I mean, I, you know, also queer BIPOC person who is, who is in this industry, like you are doing it. A, a very good friend of mine, Liu, Liu Bacasto, amazing friend that I've known for 15 years, came to see me do a show at like, at like a Midtown, you know, Oh yeah, classic stand up club. She came to see me do a set. I was one of two women on the lineup. And uh the person before me had a horrifically homophobic set. And then uh I got up there and I got off stage and I've known her for years. I got off stage and she was like, ooh, rough crowd, huh? And I was like, yes, yeah! like I like pseudo-bombed, you know. Mm-hmm. And she texted me later, she's like, wow, I'm really taking this in. She works mostly in the music industry. It's my my fake country um, <laughs> that I'm like that I, I'm touching for your listeners. She works mostly in the, uh, music industry. So like she's, she knows like comedy kind of like through me and through some other people. She's like, she loves comedy and she was like, wow, I'm really taking in that experience. And she said, your mere presence as a woman on stage is an act of resistance. And I was like, damn, damn, damn bitch. She was like, She And I love her. She's like, you are good and you are funny. And that was a rough set. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And she was like, but you don't even have to be any of those things to like be important. Like as a, like, and that's true. And that's why I'm like, yeah, your, your mere presence in this industry is resistance. Is like going against the status quo is an act of protest. No, truly. It is an act of protest of saying like, I am a woman and I am going to take up space right now.
1: Yeah. That's going to stay with me for a second. Cause it's true. You forget. Cause it becomes your day to day, but it yeah. is truly an act of resistance. It is.
2: And just taking up space in this, uh, landscape
1: is important.
2: Like, yeah, we hope that you're good. We hope that you fucking work on your craft and you know what I mean? And take it seriously. And for the record, female identifying queer people and people of color work so fucking hard because they have to. Mm -hmm. And like, they have to, we don't have the privilege of fucking being bad and not caring. And just like being what, like, I can't tell you how many (laughs) white cis straight men I've seen on stage that I'm like, do you even care? Do you even care to like be funny? Or do you just like feel entitled to this space, and that's a, that's a vibe I get a lot. Like you feel entitled for us to fucking listen to you that you don't even have to be
1: fucking funny. Like yeah, you do have to be funny. Yeah, no, it's literally the point.
2: And I don't have that problem with femme identifying queer and bi pet comments. So I don't have that problem in general of like being like, oh wow, you really took, you really threw the towel in on that one. Like I don't see that a lot that has not been my experience i'm sure it exists i don't really see that a lot because we don't have the privilege of doing so and that i mean that that's truth come from me i don't care (laughs) that that is the truth that we have to work harder so you know and that's why we're better (laughs) that's why we're better
1: for me <laughs> and that's why you gotta listen to the boss bitch show podcast like that's cool. why you got that's why you gotta go to the show it's every it's every third thursday every
2: second thursday every second month. month so i don't know when this will air but we have our next show uh thursday august 11th at uh 8 p.m at the comic shop which is uh on Bleecker street in the west village in new york city so if you're in new york city come out and see our show we always have a different lineup um, it's always a rager and, you know, and we sell out every show. So get your tickets in advance. That's the other thing. It's like, Heck yeah, it sells tickets, book more women, book more people, yeah. of color. book more queer people. It's good for business. I mean, that's like what we know at, on like a worldwide level is that like when you give space, And rights to women and education to them and like the ability to work. It helps their GDP. It helps that country's GDP. It helps that the economy of that country. Like it's good for business. If, if you can't do it for any other reason, do it for money. Do it for (laughs) money. I guess we're back at capitalism, but like if you needed a reason to book more women on your show and queer people and BIPOC people, uh, you're going to sell more tickets. Because Your show is going to be funnier and better And you're probably going to get A uh, better return audience So uh, yes, that is when our next show is And we will also be at Laugh Boston On August 18th Oh yeah, I love there Oh yeah, so if you are in the Boston area Come and see us August 18th um, Rachel and I will be uh, Co-headlining So that should be fun oh,
1: yeah, I love him, John, is that John? Maybe, Maybe. I think he's the owner. He said one of the sweetest things to me in the world. He was like, cause we were so new. It was my first year touring and we somehow booked Laugh Boston. And he was like, you always have a spot cause you work so hard. And I was like, I was like 24. And I was like, Oh my God, thank you. When John, you John so something." Hard. And we, we
2: get that feedback from venues all the time. Just so funny. They're like, wow, you guys fucking hustle. You guys bring a lot to the table. Like you have all your collateral and your flyers and posters and like, you need something for the TV screen for the show. We got it. Like we work really hard and not every show does that. And mm-hmm. like, you know, we got that. If anything, like we are hustlers, that's for sure. So mm-hmm. kudos to you. I'm sure you're, you're in the same. We're in good company.
1: I think so. Yeah. And i almost like, I feel like this is where the episode ends where it's like, we're just like, we're great. We <laughs> yeah. We listen to the podcast. And like, sit, this is in where- that. <laughs> sit
2: in that as a woman, you are great. You are great. You're yes. doing great. You are like so much better than you think. Yes, You're so much better than society wants you to think. You are doing great.
1: yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely don't settle don't settle for anything don't settle (laughs) oh my god thank you so so much what a fucking pleasure guys thank you again so much for listening thank you so much kirsten for it's truly an amazing episode conversation two and a half hours flew by and it was great i had a blast i hope you did too Yeah, y'all, what you're hearing right now is just a lot of nervous energy in my body for what's about to come. It's going to be a pretty intense month, month and a half, and um, I'm so excited. And I hope if there's something in your life that you want to do that can make you this excited and make you feel like... A kid again I kind of it kind of feels like that it feels like that like day before school your first day of school energy and I don't know it's cool I want y'all to experience that too and I'm gonna end there because now I'm just rambling and go watch dinner with Andre it is an amazing movie and go watch everything everywhere all at once um if you haven't either go find something that makes you really happy There's someone screaming outside my window right now. Can y'all hear it? Welcome to New York City, y'all. All All right. I will see y'all next week. And I can't wait to talk more. And who knows what my voice will sound like next time we talk, if I'm in Scotland, if I'm in France or whatever. Who knows? Okay. Go rate, like, subscribe. to with Second City. This person's getting louder. So I'm going to stop talking now.